welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving you guys a recap of the Thunder Golden State Warriors game. And I apologize if the audio is a bit different for today's episode as well. Changing locations for the second time, we're going to find one that sticks eventually, but that's kind of why I'm a little bit quieter in this one. But hopefully you guys understand that. So it should be back to normal probably like a week that'd be my estimation so we'll see how everything shapes out but we had a really good game yesterday the thunder going up against golden state but here's the thing you didn't have josh giddy and you didn't have trey man both of them are out we saw giddy's ankle from his tiktok that thing looks nasty so i don't know if he's gonna be playing and then with trey man personal reasons are holding him out not just from this past game but for the entirety of summer league so he is gone after two games and even Grant Gibbs, the head coach, he was done. So they had to find a replacement. And the person they landed on had never actually coached a professional basketball game yet. So that was kind of a fun tidbit entering this one. But the cards were just completely stacked against OKC's favor. Because you have Moses Moody, you have Jonathan Kuminga, even Gary Payton, the second who has kind of been hanging around the league for what seems like forever now. I don't know how actually old he is at this point, but he's been there. So you didn't really have this crazy lineup for the Thunder. I mean, when you check things out, Charlie Brown Jr. was in the starting rotation, and he might have been in there for the Pelicans game, but I mean, typically, you wouldn't have that scenario if you have Giddy and Man. So kind of came in with some unusual circumstances, but they didn't really let that, you know, prop them down at all because they showed zero signs of weakness. You know, to begin the game, they were looking to attack the basket and they couldn't hit any threes in the previous game. You know, it took them really like an entire quarter to find their stride. And in the first game, I could have shot better from three than them, right? So they weren't looking to go there. They were looking to just hit the paint and it worked. So they got three quick buckets inside, but the Warriors, they were kind of matching them. You know, they have Kuminga, they have Moody, who has a pretty nice floater. So someone needed to kind of break that trend and Teo Maladone was able to do that. He ended up hitting two straightaway threes. I think there were like two penetrations, a Maladone three, another penetration, kind of just splashed in there, but it helped kind of kick off a 12 to nine run in the first four minutes. And that's a lot of points um, compared to what we've seen from them as of late. So you kind of got some high energy, high tempo from both teams, and it looked like it was going to be a great game. And to keep going on with Teo's threes, kind of seeped into the second unit as soon as other people got clocked in. And I'll go into this guy later, but Rob Edwards, he was a monster shooting from downtown with the blue. And his role was sixth man, seventh man, whatever you want to call it. He was coming off the bench and he was making an impact. He was your top scorer in some of these games. And he was able to go in right after Teo. And he started playing just like he did in an OKC blue jersey. And Oscar Da Silva was there as well. Now, he played with the Stanford Cardinals last year, obviously. But, you know, he got in there. He hit a three-pointer, and so did Rob Edwards. So, kept them above Golden State just off of those two threes alone. And then it was really all Rob Edwards. I think there might have been, like, one free throw or something in the midst of this thing. But Rob Edwards put the team on his back for, like, the final four or five minutes of the frame. And, you know, it was able to keep their head above the water. He had nine first quarter points by the end of it. He had a triple. 
he had a tip in where he actually drove in pretty hard from the left wing and you know he's he's a righty but he actually does like using his left hand a lot when it comes to handling so he took it in on his left and then he picked a guy up from his right side kind of was trying to fend him off didn't work out I think it hit the backboard had a strong bounce but off of that little play he kind of shrugged his defender off to where the momentum had him just off the court so it was just him and the rim right in front of him so all he had to do was just soar up he could have just grabbed it and play on his feet throw it right off the glass there was a lot of space for him but he wanted to make the acrobatic finish he does in one motion just springs right back up catches the ball with his right hand and just kind of chucks it up never had complete possession of it but he was able to kind of aim it right in so that was very impressive from him. And then he even got two floaters in. So it was a lot more of the penetration game than what I was used to. I watched all 15 of those blue games. I think Edwards played in all of them except for maybe like one. So he was always kind of a constant. But yeah, I mean, to begin it, he just had the same energy. It was kind of coming from different areas, though. That 1-3 um, was obviously what is accustomed to with his style of play. But through one, I mean, they were up 32 to 27, and that's a major accomplishment given the roster constraints, as I talked about. And going into that second quarter, you have the second unit clock in right back in. Did that include Rob Edwards this time? Not necessarily, but they did get most of their second unit in there, and that's when things kind of get re really, really pivotal. And they got it going. They had a 7-0 run to start the frame, and it got them a dozen-point lead. Looked like the Warriors, they might have been kind of fizzling out of this game, but that's when you got Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga back in. Even had Jordan McLaughlin. Played for the Timberwolves, I think, last year. He was actually pretty decent. Um, I'm a little surprised how he wound up with the Warriors Summer League team, but he's here now, and him and Moses Moody, they primarily were the ones to help you know their team get out of this little divot because it seemed like they were all but out of this thing and you know they both hit two threes cut the game to single digits again and then it just turns into matching shots you know one shot goes in the thunder's way they're gonna hit another shot three-pointer for the thunder three-pointer for the warriors just nothing that could really get you much momentum and the warriors they kind of put an end to that going back to that three went on a nine to one streak and it got it back down to like a single possession so it was anybody's game when it seemed like they were completely out of it and the only thing the thunder could do was just pray and luckily for them jeremiah robinson earl you know he's pretty consistent from game one two to even in three he's been consistent from three and he wanted to stretch it from the top of the key he was able to sink a three to put them back up just a little bit with the cushion there but you know they were not safe after that shot it was all the pressure was just being applied on the thunder side and that kind of went to a close and you could tell the warriors they had a lot more emotion by the final play jonathan kuminga of course it's jonathan kuminga he takes the ball past the timeline and right in front of him he has jalen horde and they matched up against each other, actually, in the second game of the Blues season last year. You know, it was, I think it was Utah's team, and then it was the G League Ignite. But Horde and Kuminga, I mean, they matched up, and a lot of the drives, you know, Kuminga was doing was actually through Jalen Horde. So 
he saw that matchup. He was trying to take it. Now there's like five seconds. So he would have driven it in on anybody. Don't get it twisted there. But he takes it top of the key, hits him with two crossovers to get like a singular step over him. That's all he needed though. He accelerated right to the basket and Horde was gone. Kaminga's maybe like a step or two inside the foul line. And this is kind of coming more from the elbow. So there's some there's more distance here to the free throw line. But he just takes it up almost like a Statue of Liberty. Like he doesn't have, you know, his arm stretched out or whatnot. But I mean he didn't have a lot of like bounce to him. It just seemed like one little push, and then he it was just freeze frame, take it right to the rim. Puts it down with his right hand. And that was kind of that for the half. And the Thunder were just up a point. 52 to 51 at that time and the only reason the thunder were in the game was rob edwards with rob edwards there they were good if he was out it would have been a double digit lead for the warriors way and it would have been wraps you would have put just an end to it they they were good but edwards every time they needed a big bucket edwards was there to put something in and by the end of the first half he already had 14 points I don't think we've seen that from anybody on the Thunder team in a half yet, first or second. Teo had a really good one in the opener, but I'd put Rob Edwards above this one just because of what he was doing. So you have the 14 points just coming all over the place, and even though a lot of it came off of drives, it opened up that three because instead of you know just floater after floater, Edwards could take it out, and then whenever he's driving in, there's a lot more attention. So it got a lot more of those puzzle pieces into place to where they actually shot 8 of 15 from downtown in that first half. 53.3%. That's a big number when you want to compare it to what they've done uh, in the past week. So they were just lighting it up, and then overall, they weren't doing bad either. 20 of 36 overall, 55.6% on that one. And that was just outlasting what the Warriors could do. But for the Warriors, they had a couple of people in their backcourt that just kind of kept them alive, just like Rob Edwards was doing and Moses Moody and Gary Payton II. They had five threes. I think they went five of five as a collective, but they were super hot, and that accounted for 23 of their 51 first half points. And then from three as well, you had those five between the two. There were three others splashed in there from their other teammates. So they were still piping hot. And when you look at, you know, what they were doing, they shot 46% overall. OKC shot 55%. But there were a lot more shots going in the Warriors' way. They had more rebounds, a lot more turnovers forced. So the Thunder, they had 20 made shots. The Warriors only had 19. So this was about as close as you could have asked for in terms of the stat sheet. And then even from the free throw line, you would think with a guy like Jonathan Kuminga or someone like Jalen Horde who always collects fouls, you'd see maybe double-digit fouls for one of these teams or free throw attempts for one of these teams. There was only 14 combined. I think it was 8-6 and six on the cut there. So a lot of aggression, but not a lot of whistle, which I actually kind of like. But anyways, moving on into that second half, had Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Aaron Wiggins just trying to help the Thunder back out. So they both hit their own threes, and I think the Warriors might have hit like one shot in there, but that little mini run really did help them out. But then it was gone because the free throws that were just seemingly non-existent earlier, 
started coming in quickly for the Warriors. They had six points consecutively. All of those came off of free throws, and it came through Moses Moody and also came through Jonathan Kuminga. So they sliced that deficit to just one point off of driving in. And even after that point, they were still going after these free throws, and they were good, you know, and they had a 7-0 streak past that point. So they were up 70-64 to when it really seemed like it was anybody's game a second ago. And I mean, technically, that is some proof of it, but you think it'd be more neck and neck. So they take that six-point lead, and then the Thunder look towards that second unit again. And what I loved here was Ryan Woolridge actually started getting legitimate playing time. He didn't get it in the first game. I think in the second game, he did get a little bit of daylight, but it wasn't like they wanted to put the ball in his hands, and they didn't let him play you know, as a passer as much, we got to see a lot more of that from Ryan Woolridge in that third. So he's over there running it up the court, and he was actually paired up with Rob Edwards here. So that really helps. You could have Ryan Woolridge trying to penetrate inside. He can dunk. Didn't really go for that in this game, but I think he had like an alley-oop catch, a finish. But the big deal was in transition, Rob Edwards and him, they kind of had a connection. So Rob Edwards, he just had to go in that left wing. Woolridge would hit him. And that's what happened on one of these plays. Put them on an eight to one run just between the cohesion amongst those two. He had a Woolridge three, as I mentioned, Edwards pull up. And then Edwards, he actually went up for another three, but got fouled up there, hit all three of those free throws. So it actually kept them above 72-71, to 71, hitting that fourth quarter. And this is when it gets serious. You got to play clutch here. And the Thunder, they had that opportunity against the Pelicans in the last game, and they let it go to waste. So this was the big thing you need to focus on going in. Are they going to be able to successfully outlast the Warriors? And to kick it out, it looks like the Thunder were good. Josh Hall drove in for a pretty sweet layup to get them up four points, but it wasn't meant to be. The Warriors, they were going at it. The Thunder were going at it. It was just a defensive battle at that point. No one made a shot for like a straight three minutes, and it started right below, I think it was like 840 to 540. That's where you saw nothing at all. And when you got that lid off the basket, it was Jordan McLaughlin, and he hit a three. Teo hit a three on the other end. So it was just kind of nothing going on. But then Golden State started getting back into the motions, being down whatever it was, a point or three points. They get up two points with four minutes to go. But then Rob Edwards got right back into the game, and he did what he does best, and that is shoot some threes. So he hit him with a step back three to regain the Thunder's lead. And then you had Aaron Wiggins get some free throws on the very next possession. So they were up 84 to 81 with three minutes to go. And then on the opposite side, you had Moses Moody. He had a pretty sweet post shot from like six feet away. And then Justinian Jessup, I hope I pronounced that correctly, he hit a three of his own to get that lead back. And then OKC was just trying to force it just a little bit in terms of getting a bucket. You had a lot of passes that were kind of unnecessary and it resulted in three consecutive turnovers. That kind of, you know, got the momentum way out of line with them. And Golden State hit nine straight points off of that. So they went to a tail floater after that 
when that missed, Rob Edwards was out there from downtown, did not go in. That kind of ended things here. And the way that it ended, just like the first half did, second half closes with a Jonathan Kuminga jam. This guy's really athletic, man. I mean, you pick him at six, I don't think anyone's complaining. He had some really wild dunks, but he ended it there. The Thunder missed their final seven shots while the Warriors went five of seven in their last seven, and the Warriors won 94 to 84 in the game. So when you look at it, I mean, I'm not too unhappy with the result because clearly the Warriors outmatched the Thunder on paper in this one. You didn't have Giddy, you didn't have Trey Mann, you have two second rounders and some G League guys, some overseas guys, and then you have two lottery picks on the other end with guys like Gary Payton as well that you have to deal with. So taking it until like the final couple of minutes was a major accomplishment, at least how I was viewing it. And I think the big deal with me is just how they were doing from downtown because they were still very effective overall in this game. They shot 14 of 33, 42.4% on that. And they were looking to hit like a quarter of their threes in the last two. So this was a big step up here. And then you really can't complain about the foul line either. Went 12 of 16, that's 75%. So you want to aim for 80, but... Once again, that's a lot better than what we have seen. The big issue was, I mean, it was almost like opposite day because they're hitting threes. They actually shot worse on twos than they did from beyond the arc. They ended up going 15 of 40 on twos, 37.5%. That kind of dug their grave there. So, I mean, I'd rather them be hitting their threes than not and have that inside game. You want to kind of find that blend and hopefully... They can find that going on into their next one. The big reason they lost, though, was one guy, or actually two, you could say, in particular, that were just going at the Thunder from start to finish, and that was the two lottery picks and Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. Moody had 22 points on 8 of 14 shooting, and he was hitting anything. A lot of floaters, a lot of pull-ups, just some face-up catch-and-shoot threes were going his way, too, so... Nothing was stopping him. And then for Jonathan Kuminga, I mean, we have seen his play. We kind of know the scouting report on him. He can't really shoot the three that well, but he's always going to take it when he's open. And that's what he did in this game. He had a beautiful top of the key three that went in, but then he missed four other ones. So he went one of five on the day, but he made up for it just driving in whenever he could. So he finished the game with 18 points, had seven rebounds in 26 minutes. The big deal though he got to the line for seven shots in this game, making five of those. So no one was really even close to that on the Thunder side of things. And if you want to take out those seven free throws, would have been costly. Now, would it cost them the win? No, because they did win by 10. But just the ability for someone to get the ball immediately and turn nothing into something was major for them. And I'd say for the Thunder, you know, they kind of just had to run this half-court offense where things needed to come up through plays. Kuminga, he doesn't need plays. He can just try to run right through you, and that's what he was able to do on some of these drives in the game. But for the Thunder, Rob Edwards was amazing. He led the game in points, and you know, you're lucky that I'm like in a confined space right now because if I was not, I would be screaming about it because this has been something I've been saying since February. I don't know if people even knew who Rob Edwards was a week ago 
but everybody knows now. I'm checking Twitter. People are telling, you know, saying, let's get Rob Edwards on a two-way, cut Charlie Brown Jr., this and that. Okay? That's off of one game. They need to check the blue games because this happened every single game. And if not, like every one or two games, you would just see Rob Edwards explode from three from anywhere and he'd get 10 points in like seven minutes. And he did that in this game. And I think he really just captured the hearts of every Thunder fan because this is a type of scorer that we have wanted for a while. Just plug and play. Really good. Not just you know, on the catch and shoot, but he's really amazing when it comes to, uh, you know, pulling up, that's kind of the hallmark deal, but the aggression he showed inside, I mean, it was serious, like, he was out here trying to make a statement, and he did exactly that, so he got the 23 points on 8 of 15 shooting, and then from downtown, he went 4 of 7, so those catch and shoots, those pull-ups, those kind of racked up for him, in addition to those floaters, he looked tremendous in this game, and I think this is the person you need to care the most about in the final two contests, because he is going to be at a crossroad, where if he performs you know, scoring 20 points both times, I think other teams are going to give him some genuine interest, whether it's overseas or somewhere else. He definitely has gotten an offer overseas. We don't know what that would be, but he definitely earned it based off of last year. I'm just curious how, as a 24-year-old, you can kind of market yourself and get a deal wherever that would be. But if he's back with the blue, he's their number one option, at least the way that I see it. But behind him, Teo Maladone was great. He had kind of a flaky game against the Pelicans where he wasn't hitting threes. He was kind of playing in the shadows of Trey Mann. He didn't do that in this one. He was still kind of playing off the ball a lot, but he was hitting his shots. He had 18 points and six rebounds, also had five assists in his 32 minutes, but the big deal was the three. He shot five of 10 overall, but all five of those makes came from downtown and it only took him eight shots to get to that point. So this was a major step up, easily the best three-point game we've seen from him uh, to this point in the summer league. So I kind of want to see how the roster could be constructed because of what Edwards was doing and also what Teo was doing in this last one. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he wasn't popping off the page like the first game. He's just kind of been solid every single time. And he almost got a double-double in this one. He had 10 points and 9 rebounds in his 27 minutes. Big thing with him is just a pick-and-pop game. He shot 2 of 5 from outside and then just feasting right below the rim. So I liked what I saw from him. Two guys that kind of dropped an egg Aaron Wiggins and Jalen Horde. And Aaron Wiggins was like the darling of the first two games. He was not playing that well in this one. And defensively, he wasn't getting torched or anything, but he shot two of 10 from the field and on threes, it wasn't going in two. And then for Jalen Horde, he finished with a point, came from the foul line. He shot 0 of 6 overall, and then he had to face Kuminga a lot. Kuminga, he was just taking it in on everybody, so I'm not going to put all the blame on Jalen Horde, but, you know, defense could get stepped up. Also, the drives. I think on this, you know, the threes too. He's never really been a good three-point shooter. I like that he's trying to take them, but those are just not high percentage looks. I guess I'd rather see them now uh, as opposed to when the season starts, but that's just kind of 
the pointers I saw from those two. So we're going to see those guys. Also, Ryan Woolridge, too, who had seven points. I didn't really mention him, but he was amazing. Hopefully he gets more minutes. But they're going to play tomorrow, I guess today as I'm uploading this. But they're going to face the Indiana Pacers. They're also 1-2. and two. Thunder, 1-2. and two. It's going to be a great match. I'm kind of curious to see if O'Shea Brissett plays in this one. I think that's really going to determine who takes it because Brissett has just been dominant against the blue and the thunder ever since he kind of joined the Pacers organization but we're gonna see them 5 p.m central tip time you can find that one on ESPN too but this was kind of one of these shorter pods I'll get you guys a bit of a longer one in the next game so do not fret about that but other than that though guys that is gonna wrap up today's episode thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time see ya